0: This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're talking through some of the growing pains of our business. This year has been very unique to say the least. For us, we find ourselves in an interesting situation where everything has been very different, but we've also experienced quite a bit of growth in our business. Through that growth comes a lot of challenges, whether it's through creating a process, starting to bring on new people to help us with our business, as well as managing our time efficiently to get everything done that we want to get done. We actually ended up just using the podcast as an opportunity to have a conversation about how to grow and how to fix some of the problems that we're trying to solve. We also answered some of the questions that you guys submitted on Instagram that are actually relevant to the growth of our business this year. Now, you've heard us talk about our online storytelling course that we've been working on on this podcast, and there's actually a link now on Moment's website to check out the landing page and sign up for the wait list. All right. We hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. Did you know that yesterday was the summer solstice? Summer solstice. I had no idea. Longest day of the year. Also, the official start of summer also means the year is just about halfway over.
1: 2020. Halfway done. What a nuts year. Yeah, halfway through 2020. Has it moved quickly for you or slowly? Extremely quickly. Extremely slowly for me. Really?
0: Yeah. I feel like... I was in India in December and I feel like I was just in India and like everything just went
1: boom, man. I feel like I've lived multiple years since then. Hmm. January, I was still living in Los Angeles. Oh, that's true. You're right. January 15th. I moved to New Jersey. Yep. Sort of like Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. but I was flying back and forth. We were going to Samsung events. That's true. February, we went to that event in San Francisco. Mm Mm-hmm. And then middle of March, I moved back. I stayed in an Airbnb for a month. Yep. Then I found an apartment, moved into a new apartment. I feel like I've lived so many lives.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Let alone there's been uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the response to George Floyd and the civil rights movement. Yeah. There's just been so
0: much happening. It's a lot happening. I I mainly say this because we're entering Q3 the third quarter of the year. Um, and throughout that process of now, as we're entering into Q3, it's like time for goal setting as you enter a new quarter and really as 50% of the year is done. Um, and in this quarter, we're going to have some pretty massive milestones in our business. Um, number one, the first time we'll officially now rent a studio space that is just Colin and Samir's studio space. yeah which is a pretty massive move for us. It's actually like a lot of space.
1: We had a small office at one point. But
0: that was an office, that wasn't
1: a studio. It was a shared office in another company's
0: space. We've done temporary office space. The studio that you guys see in our videos, uh, that's my family's studio, and um, they run a fashion company out of there. Um, We've shared that space for eight years, uh, for a long time, but now we're actually looking at getting our own space, which is a huge part of our growth. We're bringing on people as a part of our team, uh, pretty quickly. We're trying to launch new initiatives, including our educational course, which will launch in July in the beginning of Q3. Um, so we're pretty rapidly, we're, we're exploring and starting to map out a plan around merchandise. So we're pretty quickly and rapidly moving into, uh, a larger business than what we've done before and a larger organization than what we've done before with Colin and Smear. And through that process, there's also obviously evolutionary and growing pains and discomfort and kind of just like things that come up that don't that didn't necessarily happen before. Um, so I thought this episode would be interesting as we do get into Q3, as all of you are also getting into this second half of the year, to talk through some of the ideas around both goal setting as well as lessons learned um, through this year and how we're experiencing this growth right now uh, and how we're experiencing this change and evolution of what we're doing. And a lot of that has been happening across this weekend as we've been talking about this specific video that we're making. Um, there's a big balance between us now bringing on a team, looking at all these other initiatives we had, but still wanting and needing to make videos for our YouTube channel on a regular basis. And that has proven to become difficult now. I feel like for me, one of the biggest challenges is managing the day-to-day, and actually executing on the day-to-day things that we need to do, as well as working on what we're trying to do in the future, as well as trying to expand beyond.
1: Yeah, I think it's difficult because the videos on our YouTube channel have played such a huge role in in, every step of the way and letting us level up, bringing us more awareness and more opportunity. But our videos need to keep getting better and better and better, One would hope that as your videos get better, they also get easier to make. But I don't know if that's always necessarily the case. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort to make a really, really good video and to do something you've never done before. So how do you take on merchandise and new employees and new types of content and new partners while also trying to make better, bigger videos than you've ever made before? But the only way you've really made them in the past, at least for our YouTube channel, is with a small unit, you and I, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and here's a question from Instagram. So I'm going to be integrating some questions from Instagram along the way. Uh, this is from Whit Merrick. Are you guys able to do YouTube full time or do you have any freelance projects to float the boat? The answer to that question is actually we do YouTube full time now. We don't have any external freelance projects. Everything has to do with us uploading YouTube videos.
1: Which I'm very grateful for, and it's been a really nice adjustment, actually. I think it has come with some growing pains of staying focused and reminding ourselves that this is the everything. Yeah. Um, But it's been really enjoyable to get up every morning and have your eyes set on uh, moving one ship forward.
0: And this is brand new, by the way, for everyone who's listening. Like, we, this is the first time, these uh, past six months have really been the first time that we've been able to shift our focus to being full-time on YouTube. Um, first time with this channel. We've done this before. But first time with this channel that now, the Colin and Samir YouTube channel, is, is our full-time project.
1: Um, yeah. And, you know, before we were driving revenue from other projects to keep the YouTube channel going. Mm-hmm. And so it was...
0: And now we need to keep the YouTube channel going to drive new projects.
1: Because the YouTube channel actually does support...
0: Everything. Everything. Yeah. It's the engine that that supports it all. And I think like... Which is a better
1: situation to be in, I think. For sure. Especially when the way that we were supplementing our revenue was also with video creation. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think the biggest challenge now is that the way you support yourself with a YouTube channel is through advertising. And advertising, I think... Uh, because of the state of the world, will will and can shift drastically. And because of that, we have to consider other revenue sources now. We have to use the base of the YouTube channel to then consider other revenue sources. And that consideration is experimentation. And experimentation requires time and like ability to actually uh, explore with it. Because right now, as we're talking about this question of can you do YouTube full time, this, doing YouTube full-time happened right at the beginning of a global pandemic. So we, it intersects with two things happening at the same time, which are, okay, finally, we have enough uh, brand deals and enough um, partnerships to actually be able to do YouTube full-time. At the same time, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, advertising dollars are going to shift, and so we're seeing that in real time. And so two things happened at once, where it's like, okay, we can do it.
1: But now it's also like advertising, who knows where that's going to net out. Yeah. And advertising relies on not just viewership, but high viewership. That's the play with advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can't guarantee 500,000 views a video every time. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. But we're not there yet. Yeah,
0: we haven't really figured out that, that formula or format. I think the videos we're making are getting tighter and tighter in terms of theme. I think maybe a couple episodes ago, you guys heard us brainstorming the show that we're making. And you're watching in real time as we're continuing to craft what it means to make that show. And our most recent episode, we, you know, adjusted that format to include other creators uh, and include interviews. But, you know, that has now, that episode now has left us with hours and hours of footage to work through to try and make it into a uh, uh, you know, a YouTube video. And now you're going through this process now. And this is the thing that we've been talking about over the past two days is how do we now develop, you know, we just shot something really cool. It's going to differ from our other stuff because it's different and we're trying to do something different, but when you do something different now, you're experimenting when you're experimenting, you can't put it into a process because you've never done it before. And so now you're left with trying to make an efficient process but not actually having all the tools to do that because they've never done it before. And I think that's a really interesting thing that a lot of creators probably go through where you're on a cycle where either you're about consistency or you're about a certain type of video, like Shane Dawson, for example. Shane Dawson's not putting out videos consistently. His consistency is that he does these like big releases. So when you do that, but obviously he's doing like his viewership super high through the roof. when he But does that's that.
1: the debate we're having right now just right. before this podcast, you know do we think it's okay to wait two weeks and then put out a 25 minute documentary? Is that going to be advantageous for the brand or should we put out shorter, easier to make videos on a more regular basis? Now that we are specifically in this situation where we have a video that's taking two weeks to make. Right. So what's your gut? I mean, my gut is I'd like to do it all. I would like to come up with a video and put something out this Sunday. Uh, It's not going to be this video, I don't think, because I think this video takes is going to take a couple weeks. Um, but it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough when you say you can't guarantee that if we, you know, take longer on this video that it's going to be more worth it because I don't know what's going to happen at the other end of it. You can make a great video with the wrong title and thumbnail or you can make a few mistakes on the video and it could go nowhere or you could do everything right and it still may go nowhere.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing to do in that is like, as now the biggest part of growing now and growth is developing some level of process. And what that means is not necessarily a production cycle that we fall into every single week, but what is the process that every video goes through? If the video takes a year, the video takes a week, what's the process? Number one, we have to evaluate if this is a good idea or not, which oftentimes you and I just do solo. Then from there, once we shoot it, we kind of have a reevaluation of what, did that actually go the way we thought it was going to go? Is this still the idea we think? And now we're at kind of around that point where it's like, is this idea that we just shot a tier one idea where it's like going to be one of our biggest videos? A tier two idea where it's going to be in the middle of the pack? Or a tier three idea where it's like, it was a good idea, but the footage was, you know, what we ended up shooting was like, okay. So, like running it through that and figuring out how does that happen, how do we make that decision where this lies, then helps us decide how much effort to put into it on the back end.
1: But again, what's really tough is that there are videos we've made that took a day to make, were not that difficult. You know why YouTube won't talk about this Indian rapper, mm-hmm. the power of Logan Paul uh, times Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. These are videos that took a day to make because we were current, we were making a documentary with yes theory Mm -hmm. and both of them have about a hundred thousand views. Right. If this video that's going to take two weeks gets a hundred thousand views, that's a success, but it took two more weeks of work. Yeah. But I'm actually
0: saying the same thing is about those two videos. I'm not suggesting we take longer. What I'm suggesting is that after both of those videos, we were super excited about, the concept actually the Logan Paul Lil Nas X one didn't do very well because of the title and thumbnail. And then we switched it. Mm -hmm. So running it through that process of like the Indian rapper one, we kind of had a good thought around like, we want to say something about India. This is a really tight argument and it took a very short amount of time. I think you stayed up all night to make it. Um, But I remember talking to you in the morning and you were like, this is a really good video. Uh, And I think that moment typically has been the same across the board when we do have a good video and when it goes, it's like, like even the disappearance of David Dobrik, when we made that video, it was just like, oh, this is a good video. So it typically happens after we have the footage
1: and it's in a timeline where there's that gut of like, is this, where does this lie? But it's not until you get to that first pass of a script where you've cut all the fat and you know the arguments there. Mm -hmm. And that's what's taking a lot longer with this video. It may take us three more days just to get to a clean pass where you can actually see what the video is going to look like. And that's, what's tough, I think. And the biggest
0: question in my mind, when we look at growth is as we do these videos, is that a, is that possibility right there of like getting from video idea to footage to knowing where this lies on the like tier one, tier two, tier three scale. Is that a process that only you can do?
1: No. But I think what we need to do is make sure we have the idea that we know is going to make a perfect video. This is so much more exploratory. And when it's a lot more exploratory and we don't know what we have, I do think I have to look through the footage and make that call. I haven't, and I don't know, I haven't met someone who can make that call. I'm sure there are editors out there uh, who would be really in line with what we would think a good argument is. But in this case, when... I really don't know what the video is. It feels like I have to look through it and make the video in post. Whereas if we spend the time up front and we know we have a good video, then it's much easier.
0: And in this case, because this is a true kind of documentary where we're interviewing people, going into it, no matter what, if we're interviewing people, it's going to be exploratory because we don't know what they're going to say. So I think it's on the front end looking at the schedule and saying, okay, this is an interview episode, which means... We have no idea what is going to be said. We might reshape this idea completely based on that. So we actually have to bake in a clean week to go through it. I think that's probably... And then understanding how did these interview Because we haven't done a breakdown episode with interviews in it. So where do these slot into the calendar when we have the time to go through interviews rather than just host?
1: I think it's really exciting to think about putting out a 20-minute or 25-minute mm-hmm. video. I agree. I love that. But I think... You're right, we need to have a structure for what it looks like to make this type of video Right. Uh, and a structure for what it looks like to make a breakdown episode that gets made in a week or in two, three days. Right.
0: Yeah, and we've made breakdown episodes in a range of different timelines. Um, they all kind of go through the same process regardless of timeline. This one's different because it's interview-based. So interview-based is totally different. So now it's like in that... In these variants of different creative types, it's the interesting thing, and I I think I wrote this to you in an email, was that I I kind of view the business right now as if it's like an AI system, and every input is creating a process. Good decisions and bad decisions both equally are valuable in creating process. Because right now, going into this one, recognizing that it was interviews, on the front end, we didn't think, oh wait, we're going to need 13 days to go through these interviews or like to truly make this right. And we need a dedicated editor on the staff to do this episode. That wasn't the thought in advance. Next time we do an interview episode, it will be, and we'll understand we can't plan this for the next episode. It's got to be two, three episodes down the line.
1: Totally. And thankfully, I think this is a video that is going to be very unique. It's not necessarily time sensitive. So it could come out in a week, it could come out in two weeks and it'll still be very impactful. I think it's more important that this one's right. mm -hmm. Uh, instead of just done. Um. And yeah, and,
0: th- and there it is, right? That's th- There's the decision. It's like, no matter what, this one is not time-based. This one is quality-based, which means we probably need a staff member on the edit until it gets done so that we open you up. So that's basically, but that initial process that we described of getting it to the place where it needs to be, uh, before it can move on to the next person. It's, it's, it, to keep it in our style, our voice, and to give that secret sauce that we have, it has to be done by you. So like that, that initial phase will be, and then we'll move it. And so that is just basically a lesson in process for the next time, you know, and next time we make an interview based piece. So it's an interesting, you know, timing for us of what's happening where, we have to go through all these growing pains. But the most important thing to do is to actually evaluate like, wait, what's, what's happening so that it's not a week-to-week thing that's happening, but it's like, oh, this is an input now into the business of the next time this happens, how to do it. It's like every decision we make is part of the roadmap to success for the next time we do something similar. You know, that's how I've been visualizing it. Someone told me this the other day that Teslas in their autopilot, every time you drive... It enhances the autopilot function for all Teslas because it's taking in inputs on
1: the road. Isn't so that basically c- like that's artificial intelligence? Yeah, we need to try and have that with yeah. our business and make the right choices.
0: Basically, every time you or I drive our ship, right, it has to be giving back into the business. Like it's, and again, it's it's the good decisions and the bad decisions. It's the same way as like when the autopilot works and it doesn't work, both help it.
1: It's tough too. I think we've been at this for so long that it's easy to have a desire for growing pains to be gone. Uh, but it's only the beginning.
0: Yeah. The the thing to remember is we just entered chapter zero of the business because that, that question that we got on Instagram of can you do YouTube full time? It just started, which means we just started turning this into a business.
1: Yeah, it's like, can you do it full-time? You'll find out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, now's, now you just got the shot to do it. Yeah. You know, that's really what happened. And it's, it is interesting because we've been at it for eight years, but it's, it's, the, uh, it's the constant cycle of that, like, zero to one that is just that happens to anyone who wants to start their own thing. Because even as we look at merchandise, that's a zero to one again. It's like, okay, let's start something brand new and learn the whole thing that we've we've done a little bit of before, but we've never really done before. Yeah.
1: I think there were some things this morning that were really annoying and it felt like I hadn't taken the inputs from past projects and applied them here. You know, we have because we have interviews, we have three different video tracks. Yeah. And when you have three different video tracks and you have a bunch of different audio tracks, your computer moves a lot slower. It's not able to process as easy. So making cuts has been a pain in the ass Mm. this morning and probably should have made proxies at the beginning for the, you know, hours and hours of footage that we have. Uh, But that's another thing that's been like, I felt like I was so in the weeds, but I was in the weeds in a way that I was five years ago. Right. Where it was just so frustrating. It was just these like low hanging fruit type problems Mm -hmm. that were just like nagging at me. You know,
0: and now the funny thing is, five years ago we, we, or maybe we did five years ago, but prior to that, eight years ago, we didn't have anyone to help. Like you had to do all of that, but now it's like, okay, actually, when you think back to how we did this, when when they were being, when the selects were being processed, could they have been converted to proxies?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are all things we didn't even know back then. But I think moving into the office is going to help a lot because we can get our main computer fixed that we added on and set it up. We haven't, that computer's been broken, so we've been editing off laptops, and it sounds like a small problem, but it is a pain, and it it can hold you back.
0: But at this point in the process, that could have happened. Like, we could have had.
1: That computer fixed. No,
0: proxies. Oh, proxies. Because we could have done it upon input that night, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Overnight between the interviews. Yeah, I just didn't, I
1: didn't expect it, though, because they're not 4K files. Right. It's just a bunch of 1080 files. Totally.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think that the, 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 the point of this, of what we're talking about right now, even if you don't understand some of the nitty gritty that we're talking about, is just that um, if you take your lessons and convert them into processes, you then start to grow. If you don't, you run through the same cycle over and over for years. And that's what we want to avoid now is going back in time, you know. And it's, it's hard because you're doing two things at once. You're trying to get everything done that you need to get done, but then you're trying to also observe yourself from a macro perspective and saying, what am I doing? Because now I have to tell someone else to do this. So I have to now be as good at doing this as I am at instructing someone to do it.
1: Yeah. I look forward to that challenge though. I know it's going to be a tough challenge for me. It always has been working with other editors, but I can't wait because I'm, And both of us have talked about, you know, being really tired of editing and having Mm -hmm. a shelf life on editing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's been tough with this project to think, man, am I going to be in this project for two weeks? Just head down.
0: No, (laughs) no, because the, actually that would be detrimental
1: to us. Totally. And we're going to make the right moves. And I think even when we have an office more so that workflow is going to be super easy. I think having people in the office and, uh, being able to check in on edits quicker and
0: yeah, that, that would be a detrimental uh, path for us because we are trying to, do, to go beyond. So in terms of looking forward to that challenge, you'll, you'll face it tomorrow morning, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've worked with our editors before.
0: Yeah. You know, but you said you're looking forward to that challenge.
1: Of really fully trying to.
0: What, what's the, what, what's, what do you feel like is stopping the concept of fully trying?
1: Well, part of me feels like there's val- I have, I'm a valuable editor. I think I'm a good editor. There's certain things about controlling the process that I don't want to let go because I think it's a quality thing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. So when you, just
0: understanding. So when you said, I look forward to uh, going through that process of working with an editor...
1: Of taking my hands off way more oh, okay. than I have in the past. Got it. Really?
0: Yeah. And that time is now. Like that's, that time is right now. Cause we are still in this period where we can experiment and explore. Like we're small enough to experiment and explore. We're early enough in the process to create the processes where we don't want to get too late in it, where we can't actually do that. We like have to get things done. You know, like this video is a great example. It's, it's a project that's bigger that, we decide the timeline for it, that we make the decision on when it comes out and when it's ready, um, that we can implement a process in. like we can, we can take this video and use it as a case study for ourselves. So that, that time, I think the urgency around developing those processes is what's important now as we look into this next quarter of the year and the second half of the year, because then this time next year, we just don't want to be in the exact same spot, you know, or even next quarter in the exact same spot. Totally. And I'm probably one to try and push both you and I into our very uncomfortable levels of like now
1: trying to grow. Yeah, I think sometimes too, I just debate how important editing is. I know it's important for storytelling, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how important it is for YouTube. Because we've talked about some of the other channels that we follow that talk about similar topics yeah. and they just sit down and in their commentary channels, there's really no editing. Mm-hmm. It's just 20 minutes of their thoughts yeah. on this topic and they're decent arguments. They're in an okay order, but they get way bigger viewership than we do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also about having your belief system shaken a little bit by YouTube about what's important. Mm-hmm. Do you stick to this style of editing that we've been doing because we feel it's so important to who we are and it's what makes us stand apart?
0: Yeah, and it's that pushes me out of my comfort zone. Like when I watch our selects, sometimes, like I think you've said to me before, like this is pretty good as is, and I watch it and I'm like, I can't, I can barely see it without visuals. But I also think that that is something that should be experimented with, and that should be like, okay, let's try it. Like there's no, again, like this is the time now to develop that and to experiment with it because we're not, we're we're early enough and we're stable enough. We're both of those things right now. And so I know we've talked about one of the big initiatives as we go into the next quarter is um, recording and filming a podcast. That I can't wait for. And not necessarily this podcast, but a podcast that actually mirrors what we're doing on YouTube. And that's exactly what you're talking about, where it's, let's record and then let's clip out these thoughts and the conversation around it, maybe a lead in, maybe a lead out, you know?
1: Yeah, that I'm really excited about just in terms of getting our thoughts out quicker, even if those videos don't come out on YouTube. Uh, I just think it's really exciting to be able to take part in the conversation that is social media. And if it takes you too long to respond, you're going to miss out. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm I'm really excited about that. And that's something that I mean even today like that's been a big part of my to-do on a daily is just getting both our space ready for that, our our process ready for that, like who's on the team, who who works on that, how does that actually come out quickly? And then our equipment, which I actually had a great call with Road right before this. Uh, I tweeted out about a Zoom uh, H6 or a roadcaster and Road actually hit us up. Turns out they watch YouTube, our YouTube channel, which is great. Uh, the people at Road—they were in Australia, which was <laughs> super rad. Uh, shout out to Nicholas at Road. Um, so yeah, I think like just getting us set up to do that is is a big initiative, which is a new content initiative and again a new process. But the hope is that that's that's a uh, solve for a problem um, where it's okay. Yeah, we we got this awesome documentary basically about TikTok monetization that's going to come out. We did four hours of interviews. Super unrealistic to put that on in a week's time. So that means that needs two weeks. But that does that mean we don't have a conversation for two weeks? No, that can't mean that. So now we need another solution and it has to be video because that's our business.
1: Yeah, I think there's a world where we have these really intricate breakdowns, but there are some weeks where a big event happens and we want to make sure we can cover it and give our thoughts. And that comes out uh, in the form of a recorded podcast, again, with a little bit of a lead in and a lead out uh, and some context.
0: So so I have a question. This video, and again, I haven't watched where it's at right now, but this video that we're talking about with all these interviews, could it read as a podcast with the lead in and lead out? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, it's all interview based. So right now there's currently no B-roll.
0: So when you talk about like that concept you just mentioned around YouTube and YouTube maybe doesn't value editing in the same way. Uh, is this the, the place to experiment because it's already so different in itself? Or do you think it requires visuals?
1: Well, I think you don't need visuals when you have uh, a lot of personality and hard takes. I think that's what you get at a lot of those other commentary channels yep. where they don't use B-roll. Uh, a ton of personality and some serious uh, polarizing takes. For us, we're a lot more educational here in this piece. And I think it's super important uh, as we're being talking about the really the intricacies of TikTok and monetizing uh, because people aren't too familiar with them, making sure that there are visuals that correspond. This one, I think it's super important. Got it.
0: So there is a another question here as we talk about new initiatives from Alex Noski on Instagram. He says, any plans for merch? Yep. We do have plans for merch. Uh, we are working on that. It's it's moving pretty good, pretty like slower than I would like just based on other stuff that we have going on. Um, but that will be a part of our Q3 rollout is merchandise. Uh, I think we're really excited about that. We've pretty big plans around what that means for merchandise. It's, it's not necessarily just like a a shirt with our face logo, which maybe people would wear, uh, but it's not necessarily that. I think we're really into just conceptual brands and like having a brand with a mission and, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about our mission before around educating and encouraging and empowering uh, the next generation of storytellers. And we talked about that in, in the context of our educational courses and our content. Um, but that will bleed through in the merchandise as well. And that stuff will roll out. I think we'll do I, I have a podcast episode idea that's purely just brainstorming our merch uh, where I talk you through the deck I'm working on now. And then uh, I think that would just be a fascinating one. And to get your guys' feedback, about our merchandise before we roll it out, I think would be really cool. But we're working on it and, it. and I definitely think this summer, for sure, it will roll
1: out. Yeah, I'm just really excited to have physical product mm-hmm. out in the world. I mean, a couple days ago, you and I were in the car together. And a guy walked in front of us across the street. Oh, right. And he was wearing a t-shirt that I designed for a company 12 years ago, a Long Island-based company. And I was couldn't believe it. And I rolled, it was a, sm- a small company that I think may not even be around anymore, but I rolled down the window and I yelled at this guy and I was like, Hey, Hey, like I designed that shirt. And he was like, that's so cool. He was like, uh, cool, man. Yeah. He actually
0: wasn't that excited. <laughs> he had
1: no idea. He was, but uh, I was so excited that 3000 miles away, 12 years later, this shirt that I designed when I had early knowledge of illustrator and design was right in front of me walking across the street 12 years later.
0: Yeah, that was wild. I remember when you designed that shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was wild. That was cool to see. And I think that's that's like to see the um tangible visualization of your brand message is so cool. So totally. I merchandise is like always been a dream and I'm really excited about it. So we'll, we'll probably do a dedicated podcast to that and be rolling out some of it on our Instagram, but um, that's something I'm really excited about. So now uh, to tag along with that, the other big thing that's launching in Q3 is um, our online course. So that itself has been, you know, a whole evolution of learning uh, for us, like what that looks and feels like. Um, there is a, uh, a question here from Joe Hendrickson. Hendrickson, he says, um, what are your thoughts about nor- the normal path of education, college slash uni versus online learning, Coursera and edX?
1: Man, I've been thinking so much about this lately, uh, specifically because so many college kids just spent an entire semester taking Zoom classes and paying the same amount of money as if they were in person. There's people, I mean, we both talked about Hasan Minhaj's episode on this,
0: uh, which is fantastic if you haven't heard it, but there's people asking for refunds.
1: Probably as they
0: should, right? Yeah. Should be, I, well, maybe. I, don't, I, don't, I actually have no idea what their rule. Uh, they probably didn't have rulings on this. But oh, of course. There's I probably mean, a rule that says if there's like a crazy natural disaster and you have to leave, totally.
1: you don't get your money back. <laughs> I say as they should in terms of their feelings are valid. Right. But of <laughs> course, most likely, yeah. that's not the way that those contracts are written when you I, sign up to go to a school. I think
0: it's just exposing how much money it costs to go to college especially like private universities. It's just like, yeah. whoa, that is a lot of money that you're paying now to be on Zoom.
1: Yeah, and a lot of colleges are going to continue to be on Zoom uh, in the fall. And I've really been thinking a lot about what is it about college that I, that I really enjoyed and felt like you know, I learned a lot from that experience. And could I get that? In a in a digital how,
0: form, how much of that was in the class uh, in the classroom versus like off campus? So little of it was in the classroom, right?
1: Not that I didn't really enjoy my classes, um, but
0: For me too. I mean, by the way, m- most of it was just the life experience of being at college,
1: <laughs> totally, so,
0: and being around other people and being faced with situations and problems, and like that was actually the the learning that I took away. From college, I also coached a local lacrosse team in the area. Like I did all these things to explore myself that uh, taught me the most when I was in
1: college. But I wonder, uh, me too. But I wonder uh, what my experience would have been like had I maybe taken a gap year, or yeah, totally. You know, what would I have learned about myself if I didn't go to college?
0: I think it'd be a fascinating experience to take a gap year and spend you know, $500 on online courses or $600? Like, because you can take some incredible online courses at $600. And for a year, you're like working and traveling plus learning, you know, on the weekends from these specialized online courses. Where do you, Where does a person net out after a year of that, where they just learn exactly what they wanted to from exactly who they wanted to learn it from. And they're super engaged because they've paid for it. They like the, the professor or the, uh, the people who are teaching the course. I think that's an interesting thing to look at for this next iteration of education.
1: Totally. I think financially, if you could make it work, uh, getting a part-time job, uh, some sort of service job. Speaking for myself, yeah. when I graduated and got a service job at a hotel, it was super valuable. I learned so much. Um, So splitting your time between maybe a service job, a part-time service job, an apprenticeship with someone maybe in the industry that you're really looking at Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward, uh, an internship, something like that. And then online classes for me would be the trifecta of the perfect experience.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll update you guys on where that is netting out. But to answer the question, I think I'm much more interested from a creator and a consumer perspective in online learning right now um, because I think that is the future. I think specialized learning is the future of education.
1: The majority of the skills I have that I use today, I started learning the second I graduated college. Just learning off the internet.
0: Yep, I'm so, me too. I've learned from experience. Uh, I've learned from experience and also from shadowing, like looking at others and understanding what they're doing and what their actions are. That, I think, is one of the most important things, which is where I think in online education, observation is one of the most important things. Totally allowing me in the room to show me what does it look like. Um, another question about kind of the future: Are you planning on doing a TikTok? F- oh, TikTok! God, I sound like such an old guy. <laughs> Are you planning on doing a TikTok format for the breakdown?
1: Yes, definitely. That's something we've been exploring. Whether it's going to be on our own TikTok or on a breakdown TikTok, I'm not totally sure. I think we'll start by just experimenting on our own, Colin and Samir TikTok. We've looked at other accounts that are doing similar things not exactly the same uh and they're finding some success. I think it's a unique um format specifically for TikTok.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean I think it's really interesting. I I I'm starting to get fed a lot of educational content on TikTok um that is really interesting and like very high level and done by like guys who are older than us and really engaged and clearly the app wants that stuff, you can tell. Um so I'm really interested in that. Also, this is a whole other podcast, but I feel like TikTok and K-pop fans came together in the craziest way this weekend. That I just like is a very eye-opening thing. I think for the whole world to look at and be like, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa!"
1: That, that may be too much just to drop every, on everyone without explanation. <laughs> but,
0: well, look into it yourself. Look into it yourself and come up with your own uh, thinking around that because that was a that was a topic of conversation on Father's for Father's Day brunch. That was like. Deep, a deep dive for me with the really? whole family oh yeah it was it was fascinating um, alright now uh, a couple of, of final questions here um, what was your most successful failure and what did you learn from it I thought that would be a nice one to kind of cap this one off it
1: what an interesting question your most successful failure I may need a second so many failures are running through my head <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think everyone I would consider a success. And, and in the same way that I talked about earlier in the podcast, it's like good decisions and bad decisions drive the process of what you're going to do next. And they drive kind of your, your learning and your understanding.
1: I feel like that question deserves its own podcast.
0: Yeah, it probably does.
1: It's really good. It deserves a day of thinking and then a podcast.
0: Yeah. So we'll save that one for another podcast. That was a good question. Yeah, your
1: question was too good.
0: Yeah. That was a good question. I should read out who that, who that person is.
1: Maybe I'll, I'll shift
0: to another question. Cause, uh, so we can answer it. But that was from, um, that one was from Matt hand. Great question, Matt. We're going to, we're going to shift and have that be its own <laughs> podcast episode. Your question, question was, was too powerful. Was so good. Um, Question is your online class going to be on Skillshare? No, it's going to be with moment. If you go to moments website, you can actually find it and sign up for it right now, uh, which is awesome. And now a question that is unrelated to the future of us, but about our show. I like this question a lot. C. Buke 800, 1800. How much do you consider yourselves journalists and how much do you consider the breakdown journalism? I saw this one. I thought this
1: was a great question. Um, I think, you know, journalists, I I feel like report the news, right? And I should be trying to give it to you sort of as is and letting you come up with your own take. I think we are another layer on top of that. We're trying to not only report what's happening with the breakdown, but put some sort of angle on it. Uh, that, that does try to change your thinking a little bit and, and leave you saying, I never thought of it that way. I think journalism more so, I don't know, is that the role of journalism,
0: to do that? I think uh, I would consider, when I read the question, I actually consider ourselves educators more so than journalists. I think we, we, we're not going to take something that's, you know, if it is breaking news, we'll, we'll talk about it, but in the form of how you can learn from it. We don't, tip, we don't necessarily just kind of give you the news. Uh, I think our Travis Scott video might have been one of the few that was just very explanatory. It was like, here's what happened. But we always have this why it matters to you as a creator. You know, why it matters to you, person with an idea. Like showing you how someone did something so that you can do the same thing with your idea or you understand how things are working on the internet. That to me feels like, when I read the question, I was like, I I don't know. I think I consider ourselves more educators than I do journalists.
1: Yeah, same. In that same vein, though, I mean, the piece that we're making right now is, in a way, investigative journalism. Mm -hmm. We set up a bunch of interviews and asked a ton of questions to try and come up, uh, reveal some sort of information. Totally.
0: In order to educate.
1: But, yes, in order to educate. Right. Not to, like, expose Exactly. That's
0: what I feel like is the biggest difference. But not to say all journalists are like trying to expose people, but they're like shedding light on something. So maybe it's one and the same. I I think I
1: need to read the definition of journalism. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, that is probably the place where we'll stop, we'll stop this conversation, but it's an evolving conversation. And I wanted to um, just bring it up because it's been a lot on my mind and it's been a lot of the conversations that we're having Uh, this week. We're going into Q3 planning, setting goals and uh, understanding what is going to happen over the next three months of this business. How are things going to evolve? And that is everything from uh, the show that we just talked about, the breakdown, to the new content initiatives, to our new space, to the new team members we're bringing on, to new ideas we're trying to roll out, to the processes we're trying to roll out. Running a creator business is one of the most dynamic things that I think I've ever been a part of. When you really start to think about how many different functions you start adding on, you think about the top tier of creators where they're running an advertising business, an original programming network, a subscription-based business, a merchandise company, a licensing company, a book publishing group. Like You're running so many different things at once. And as another creator, you look at everyone doing it, and you're like, yeah, that's how it works. That's how the business works. And that is how the business works. It's just you have to go through this time where when you do get that platform to do it, when you do get that opportunity to grow in this direction, all of a sudden you're going to be forced into this whole new world of trying to grow a business.
1: Yeah. And as a YouTube creator, you got to keep your mind on your first product, which is your YouTube videos. Which is your YouTube videos. Yeah. All right. That's it this week. Um,
0: The questions that you guys have been sending on Instagram have been fantastic. I mean, obviously so good that we couldn't even answer one uh, and we have to make one into its own podcast episode. Uh, we will be answering more of those on our Instagram story. And whenever we do a Q&A and keep that bubble, just know that it could be answered on Instagram or could be answered here on our podcast. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Hopefully that was not only an enjoyable episode to listen to, but also informative about how business partners work through uh, problems that they're trying to solve. We're hoping to bring you guys into more of those conversations as our business continues to grow to kind of show you what it really feels like to be experiencing this. We talk a lot about other creators on our YouTube channel, but we're starting to realize is that we think it'd be really fun to start to be more transparent around how we're building and some of the problems we're facing um, across all of our content. We really feel like we're growing this company with all of you guys. And that is one of the coolest parts of the whole experience for us. If you're interested in signing up for the waiting list for our online course, that link is going to be in the description of this podcast. And we'll keep you guys updated on how that is progressing. We're really excited about that one. All right. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.